Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. This is a, uh, I just want to give some thanks, and I'm, uh, anytime a pastor stands up and starts giving thanks, he gets in trouble because he forgets everybody, or not everybody, but people think they forgot everybody, but I want to say thank you to, uh, is there anybody in here that's been with us the whole 19 years, by any chance, Bruce, Bruce over here, Bruce is a board member, he's helped us, he's been with, there's not too many people who have board members for 19 years, I mean from the inception of the church and sticking it out with you, there's a few others in some of the other services that have been here as well. I want to say uh, thank you to the hospitality team who serves every single Sunday. And I mean, they're here early, folks. And, and I mean, they're here early. They want to, you know, they're greeting people. They love people. They want to welcome people. And, they, and I just want to say to all of you hospitality folks out there serving and, and uh, everywhere else and in here, thank you from the bottom of my heart uh, uh, for, for being here weekend and week out and showing the love of Christ to all of us and, and to our guests. And, and, and sometimes, you know, people walk through the door and it's a tough day. Sundays are a tough day for some people. And when you come through the door, just a smile and just a welcome is like it, it can really be a blessing to you. So thank you, hospitality team, for all that you do and pouring out your heart and being here week after week and Sunday after Sunday and really putting your heart and spirit into it. And worship team, we've got so many members on the worship team. They, they work hard here. So many other musicians being trained and the outreach team and small group leaders and uh, financial supporters, thank you so much. You know, our first offering in this church 19 years ago was enough to take care of us for a month. That's how this church launched. And, and, I, and I was expecting, you know, that I was going to w- be working somewhere. <laughs> you know, like Walmart were the best. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And, uh, you know, at all, at all. But, uh, you know, God was faithful. And, uh, and, and God has always met our needs here and given us way enough to give away. And, and so thank you, financial supporters, for all of you who, uh, who give in. And, and we got a lot of things ahead of us, and so thank you for being there. Also, uh, you know, my pit crew, my preachers in training. Brian's been preaching the 830 service. Uh, my, that's my preachers in training. Uh, they're really in practice now. Is that pip? crew now <laughs> preachers in practice but uh they're i think they're uh, such a source and blessing and uh the vine kids team vine uh the children christy the whole team back there the youth dougie and everybody the media team back in the booth who control every bit of this and and work every week all of you who are serving anywhere and everywhere thank you so much and and as the founding pastor and, and Karen and I, having been here when this thing started, and, and all from our hearts, thank you so very much. And, um, you know, today we're going to be over in Acts 13. If you've got a, your app, Bible app, or your Bible, and you want to flip over there to Acts 13, verse 36. And uh, as I was reading, reading through the book of Acts a couple of weeks ago, I began thinking about you guys. I began thinking about myself, the church. And, uh, and this particular scripture stood out uh, to me. And let's put it up on the screen. And, and it's a short scripture, and I'll read this, and then we'll, we'll jump into this. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. 
Sounds funny, doesn't it? He fell asleep, but we'll unpack that in just a minute. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you for the testimony of Luke who wrote the book of Acts, the gospel of Luke, who gives us such a detailed accounting of what your church was like in those early days, God. And thank you for the historical perspective we get in the book of Acts and of your work down through the ages in such a concise way that we in this 21st century can gobble it up. So I thank you for your word, God. Thank you so much. And I pray you breathe life on it today, bring it to life, so that we can apply it to our lives. And Jesus, we love you. We love you, Jesus. And we thank you for loving us first. And would you come and pour out your love on us today in an extra measure, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you know, this chapter... Uh, in, in 13, Paul, is, uh, he has been asked to speak. He's in the synagogue. That was his typical way of ministering. You know, in this day, uh, these roving teachers and all would, there would be a, the same paths and the same road that the merchants would use, that all the townspeople would use. And so the people, the orators of the time, whether they were philosophers or they were religious leaders or whatever, would just walk down the road, stop, start preaching, and uh, draw a crowd, maybe. And if they were good at speaking, they might even uh, get hired to stick around for a while, be given a place to to live, and uh, speak to the area. And Paul, of course, having been apprehended by Jesus, and his life changed radically. Uh, his first thing that he wanted to do was get the word out, and so he heads down these roads. And his habit was to stop in the synagogues on the Sabbath. And to share with the Jewish people as well this faith in Christ that he had found. And this is no different here in chapter 13 as Paul has made his way and and come to the synagogue. And they have asked him, they have asked him, do you have an encouraging word for us, Paul? That's the great setup, right? When someone asks you what's going on in your life or do you have anything to share with us? I mean, there's your opportunity. And so... Paul jumps on this and he begins to give a historical overview of how God has loved Jew and Gentile because the time was coming when the non-Jew would be loved just like the Jew and it would come in Messiah and Jesus. And so Paul makes his way through very concisely and beautifully in this message to the Jewish people and some godly, as they were called, Gentiles that were there in the synagogue as well. And he gets to this spot where he's using David as an example. And this verse, this verse pops out. And I want to point out three things. You don't have a fill-in because this is fresh off the grill. <laughs> so fresh that they didn't get it. <laughs> That's how fresh. Yeah, okay. And so you, if you want to write it on the back, you know, back there you can. But there are three fill-ins. And the first part of this verse, Acts 13.6 and, and uh, 36a, the part of it, it says, Now when, now when, David had now when he had you know everybody every person has a now when moment a lot of us go through life with a now what now what now what but those of us who follow Jesus or those of you who are being called by Jesus it all comes down to the now when there has to be some action put in to what you're sensing you're called to do and I love this passage because it says that now when David, you know, when he had fulfilled God's purposes, when he had a now when moment, what do I do with what Jesus has done in me? Those of you who are Christians, 
Now when I, instead of, I don't know how many of us go through life, we go, I don't know what God wants me to do. Do you know what God wants you to do? Love him and love others. That's complicated, man. That is like so complicated. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And your neighbor, how? yourself yeah and i know there's particulars in that but everything we do we fitting right up under that right up and see our question today and what i saw from this is now when there's got to be a now when moment but we don't like to talk about now when we don't want to talk about past you know the the past tense of life we don't want to talk about that's something we older folks think a lot about is the past tense you know but you want to be able to look back and go now when You want to look back on your life, even if you're 15 years old, 20 years old, you want to have that now when moment you stepped in to doing what God had called you to do. And I I think we make it way too complicated, this now when moment. It's simply putting one foot in front of the other and loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving others as you love yourself. And when we do that together, we are a beautiful force to be reckoned with in this world i mean a beautiful force now when some of you this morning you know your now when moment is right now now when now when you were at the vineyard in myrtle beach on that sunday morning and you were going god what next what next i don't know if you're real i don't know if you're i don't know you i don't know you and this morning is your now when moment now when i said yes to christ on October the 2nd, 2016. Now when? When it all began for me. There has to be a now when moment. And um, as a church, not just for individuals, but as a church, we have to have a now when moment. Have you ever been put on the spot for those kind of things? Has anybody ever held you accountable for a now when moment? I have done some really, they're not dumb, but they were kind of spontaneous things. Uh, I, we we were uh, we were part of another church plant a long time ago, and we were doing men's retreats. And we were young men then, and our men's retreats were pretty wild. And uh, by that, I just mean we had a lot of fun and fault. It was southern, and uh, you know, <laughs> brothers getting along really good and and just having a good time together. And and the pastor of the church sent out this notice. He said, "You cannot come to the men's retreat unless you lead somebody to Jesus." Imagine that. That is like, well, now I'm 31 years old, 32 years old, so I thought he was serious. I, you know, I'd been doing that for a while, maybe 10 years. And, but suddenly I'm like, all right, I've only got a week to lead somebody to Jesus. You know? So I remembered the drug pusher <laughs> that lived down this highway off of Conway and I thought, I wonder if they still live there, you know. So I'm praying, God, please, I want to go to this men's retreat so bad. We have so much fun, and, and, you know, we cook out, we pray, and we play around. We have so much fun. I really want to go, God. And so I prayed, prayed, drove out to this house. It was all dark. Windows have got aluminum foil all around them. And, you know, it's, it's like, and, and, and the guy that I knew and his wife, you know, they happened to be home. And so she opens the door, and he's about six foot four, and, and I walk in, and then uh, we sit down at their dinner table, a little small table like that. And it's so funny because I'm, all I'm going is like, I just want to go to the men's retreat, you know. I, 
I, I really hope these people will help me out, you know, but I, I just hope, I hope, God, you're going to honor this by, you know. And so we probably talked. It, it was in the fall, and it was getting dark. I'd been there for maybe three hours. And we had talked about all kind of things. And I was trying to steer the conversation back. And, and finally, we got to the point right as the sun stopped, dropped. And they both looked at me and they said, uh, you know, let's do this. I thought, men's retreat, yes, you know. I mean, I had it kind of backwards, you know, it was about them. But, but the thing is, a now-when moment, when you realize right now is it. This is what God has given you, this moment. It becomes a past tense like now, but it becomes a wonderful past tense moment that you look back on and you go, in my own somewhat naivete, and, and maybe my priorities were a little <laughs> mixed up, it still was a now-win moment. And this church was a now-win moment. You have a now-win moment. Our church has a now-win moment right now for what we're going to be like in the future, what we're going to be like next week. What kind of people we're going to be? How are we going to love our community? How are we going to love God in such a way that people see it? It's all about that now win. Now win moment. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2.12, Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel. Nothing happened in Troas until Paul did what? Now when he went. All of our waitings and all of our expecting and all of our hoping that we will get at some place where we can do something is now. It's the moment we have. Now when. That's true for our church. It's true for us individually. It's true for you if you don't know Christ yet, if you're not following him yet, if you haven't intentionally said yes to him. It all begins at that moment. Now when. I believed. Now when I trusted. Now when I said, Jesus, you're my boss, my king, my Lord. Lead me, direct me, take my life. There's a, you know, when we first started this church, we, we were up in North Myrtle Beach. Somebody gave us a, a free place to meet for about a year or so. Very, very nice of them. And uh, really kind of took care of us for a while. We went into that neighborhood. I didn't know too many people in the church. We were gathering new folks and, and all. But we went into Atlantic Beach, and this is kind of those now wins. We looked around us and said, well, now when? You know, not now what, but now when? We've got to do something now. So we went into Atlantic Beach. We cleaned up their basketball courts. I would give you just a little history of your church. Cleaned up their basketball courts. Cleaned up their tennis courts. I met with the city council and the, and the chief, the police chief, for about two years and prayed with them. We went to Atlantic Beach, we cleaned the whole beach up, went through the whole city, picked up the trash, did everything that we could. When Christmas came along, our first Christmas and our second Christmas first and Thanksgiving, we cooked Christmas dinners for anybody that wanted them. This is your church, it's the way it started. But not just those who wanted them and, and people like that. We took them to the porn shops, we took them there to the strip clubs, we took dinners to anybody and everybody that we thought was hungry. So that we could show them there were people who loved and cared about them out there. That's a part of the now. You know, what can we do? Well, now's the moment. Do something. You know, it's like you're driving down the road. Jesus, what can I do? And you hear him go, just do something. <laughs> you know, it's like we go through life for a year. What do I do? What do I do? Just do something. Do what, 
we can right now with what we have. And uh, some of you have heard this story. You know, when I talk about youth and children and how indeed they have as much or maybe more to give and contribute to church life and to us as any adult ever would. One Sunday morning, we probably had 100 people in church, I guess. And there's a nine-year-old kid sitting on the front row, and I'm doing the vineyard thing. I'm waiting, pausing at the end of the service like I'm going to do in just a few minutes, and just waiting to see, hear God, just to see if God wants to do something that I haven't planned. Imagine that. And, uh, you know, when he says, hey, I want my church back, and that kind of thing. And so... Uh, I'm sitting there waiting, and I'm looking at this little nine-year-old kid, and he leans over to me and goes like that, and he says, there's 11 people in this room who need to come to Christ right now. There's only 100 in there, maybe, you know. And, and he says, and they're men, and they're grown-ups. <laughs> you know, now, you know that's a, what a now-win moment. That's a now-win moment. What do I, do I respond to this? What do you do? What do you do, you know? And so we went for it, and sure enough, 11 grown men crying, lifted their hands, began to weep, and accepted Christ and began their journey with Jesus. So it's now when moments, you know. Now when, when you look back and you say, that's when, that's when that happened. And those start today. Now when David had. And your second one here in, in 1336 is, now when David had served God's purpose, had served God's purpose, uh, again, we, the 21st century, we don't talk about past tense and the value very much of what was. It's all about the now and all. But the purposes of God will be completed in our lives or not, you know. And we, we if we take advantage of the now-win moments, they will. And so there is a purpose in your life. There is, I know you hear that all the time from everybody, but it's so true. It, the generic but super powerful moment that I mentioned of what has God called you to, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, is a powerful mandate of the purpose of God. It's exemplified in his son on the cross of how much his love for us has been poured out. And the power of the cross and the power of Christ is there to give us purpose. It's the message of the gospel that is the power of God and the salvation. You get this? It is the good news that's in the power. When someone gives you good news, there is power in hearing it. That God loves them, cares about them, wants to reestablish a relationship through a washing, through a rebirthing, through a cleansing. That's a purpose we all have in whatever manner and how you do it in your way, you know, and with your friends and family and on the golf course and the water surfing, wherever you are. It's how you do it with your life. It's how you do it with your sharing, with your outreach and your love. It, it's just, it's purposes of God. David fulfilled his purposes. Of course, this whole context is he's getting to Jesus, you know. He's getting to Jesus, but he's using David as a purpose. And one of the things I like about it is if you know David's life, he wasn't perfect, but he still fulfilled his purpose. You know that about David, right? He wasn't perfect, but Paul says he fulfilled his purpose. I mean, he paid a heavy price for his life and the screw-ups that he made in his life. Israel paid heavy prices for it, and yet he fulfilled his purpose. So 
The now-when moment for us who think we have screwed up so much that we cannot have a now-when moment is over. <laughs> over, as some of my friends in here say, and all my church, New York, I know I hear you. Okay. I'm going to have my friend Mike Terigiano here in February, and he's, you know, he's from the Bronx, so you all have fun with him. <laughs> all good. There you go. So, anyway. That's the now when moment is when you realize your purpose and you step into it. Everyone has a purpose. There's a, well, let me read this scripture to you in, in uh, Colossians 4.17. Uh, Paul says to his friend, tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. See that you complete it. Even with David's failures, he completed it. Even with your failures, you can complete it. doesn't take being perfect to fulfill the purposes of God. It does take taking advantage of the now-when moment. Now, so that it will be a past tense and you went, I did that. I obeyed. I did it. I did it. It's never too late to begin that. Uh, I used to read a lot about revivals. You guys know what revivals are? Not the ones on the marquees, that, not that one. Like how you schedule revivals, you know? And I don't know how anybody knows that's coming. But, uh, you know, but the revivals I'm talking about and what uh, my wife and I and some of you probably in this room have experienced through the Jesus movement and, and also through uh, the Father Heart of God and some of these great revivals that have, have come through in the last 30 years or, or so. That, uh, but there's one called the Hebrides Revival. In Scotland, uh, Duncan Campbell, a pastor. But what people miss in these revivals are the characters involved in all of these revivals. We look at all the great things that are happening, which are wonderful. But behind the scenes, there are things going on that, uh, that are really just as much about revival as the actual, uh, let's just say, the acting out or, or the manifestations of things that we get kind of excited about. Some of us do. In the Hebrides revival, there were two sisters, Peggy and Christine Smith. One was 82, blind. One was 84, and bent over with arthritis. Could not go to church because of their situation, yet they knew they could pray. They felt like God wanted to bring a revival to the Hebrides Islands, and so they said, well, what we can do is on Tuesdays, two days a week, we can gather. We can start around 4 in the afternoon, and we will pray till 3 in the morning, and we will pray. Let me tell you something. Some of us that are getting older and you're feeling it, that can't stop you from praying. That can just open up a whole nother ministry and purpose for us. That can give us a spot and a place in history like the sisters here that now we go, now when? Now when Peggy and Christine prayed? And after they had prayed, this is what happened. They began to pray and they began to sense. And I do want to read just a little bit of this. They were 84, 82. And they got this, this uh, promise that I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. And so they began to plead that word to them in prayer. Now, this is back in 1949. Okay, 48, 49, 50, right along in that time period. And... Uh, I will pour water out upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the ground. And one night, Peggy had a revelation that revival was coming and that there were no young people in the churches in Scotland during that period of time. None. Absolutely none. And these two 
sisters were really concerned about it, enough that they began to pray and ask God to change it. And uh, so it, it's a, an amazing story because they called, they asked their pastor to get Duncan Campbell from another area of Scotland to come and preach, and, and he said he couldn't come, and they, you'll have to read the whole story. I don't have time today, but we'll, do, we'll deal with some of this in a sermon series. And, uh, but they basically looked at the pastor and said, well, you really need to hear God <laughs> because you're not hearing him. <laughs> you, know, you need to come to the Hebrides. You need to come and you need to preach because God is going to do something here. And so they began to pray. God gripped his heart and he came. So it was these 82, this 82 and 84-year-old woman, sisters, one blind, one crippled with arthritis who could not even get into the churches to see the fruit of their prayers eventually who prayed this. Wonderful revival that went on for like four years. Thousands of people coming to Christ. An amazing thing. People would be in the fields just walking down the roads and suddenly coming under the conviction of God and fall on their faces and begin to weep and saying, God have mercy. God have mercy. And it just swept through the whole, the, all the islands and around. 82 and an 84-year-old lady. Well, there was a 15-year-old young man whom God has really... Touched in this revival too. There's quite a few characters. Duncan Campbell's a middle-aged pastor. The sisters, much older. Then there's Donald. Donald, he's called Donald the boy who prayed. (laughs) And uh, he was converted in the revival, 15 years of age. But when he prayed, it was something really happened. So Duncan Campbell went to his house one day to talk to him and his mom said he's in the barn she goes over he goes over to the barn and he is on his face praying to God 15 years old Duncan says excuse me Donald and Donald goes excuse me I have an audience with the king right now (laughs) turns back and goes keeps on praying 15 years old 15 years old he was asked to pray one time in a police station. The place was packed with people, and this 15-year-old came in, put his hands together, said one word, Father, the whole place fell out on their face, weeping, calling on God. 15-year-old boy. 15-year-old, the purpose of God. Duncan was preaching one night in another revival in another part. He said he could feel the resistance in the people. It was hard to press in, hard to push through. So he called some deacons to come pray. Still hard to push through. And he finally thought, where's Donald? Where's Donald? And Duncan Campbell says, Donald has more of God in him than I do. God will hear his prayer. They bring Donald in. And Donald prays. And he says this. He says, Donald, will you lead us in prayer? And Donald goes, oh God, I seem to be gazing through the open door. I see the lamb in the midst of the throne with the keys of death and hell at his girdle. Then he begins to weep. Then lifting up his eyes to heaven, he says, oh God, there is power. Let it loose. Fifteen-year-old, boom. People come to Christ. Amazing things happening. Your purpose Don't you ever, ever, ever let anybody tell you you don't have purpose. No matter your age, no matter whether you are a woman or a man, no matter your financial status, don't you ever, ever be robbed 
of your purpose because he has called you to an amazing purpose in your life. And it's a part of the church. It's a part of the community. Step into it. Have a now when moment. Not now what, now when. Have it. Have that moment. So there's a purpose for every person. There's a purpose for this church. I mean, the purpose for this church is what we're talking about, to be a lighthouse, a hope, a city on a hill, a place where people can find love and they can find authenticity and find people who are broken but who are getting healed and who are moving along and going, you know what, I'm learning to love Jesus more and more and there's something happening in my heart. I don't understand what it is, but I want to go with you people and I want to be a part of this and I want to move forward. And I want to find out the fullness of him who loves me and gave himself for me. I want to be filled with that. I want to be filled with the love of Christ that took him to the cross. It brought him out of the grave to say, you're mine. You're his. And I want to walk like that. I want to live like that. I want to experience that. I don't want to have a past tense moment where I miss that. And your third one here is, same verse, is... Uh, now when David served God's purpose in his own generation. <laughs> this is the time right now. In his own generation. In his own time. In his own generation. We're a 19 year old church. And uh, you know generation they say is around 30, 33 years or so. But each of us have this influence in every generation that we're a part of and beyond. Some of us have been given influence beyond our own age group and beyond our uh, status in life or wherever and that's you know that's our generation that's who we're called to uh, much as I love what God has done in the past and I'm glad I was a part of it I could tell stories for the next three hours amazing things God has done and things we've seen this is the generation I'm called to it's now right now you know I've got a now win but I want some more now wins I want more in the days, and this church has got some more now-win moments for this generation. Every last four weeks or so, when I ask someone to stand up, uh, young, when I ask uh, for leaders, people that are being called to be leaders, about two-thirds of them are young people in this church. Every time I say that, they're probably under 30. You guys, you men and women, you stand up. Every Sunday I say that. I want to tell you something. You step into it. If somebody doesn't give you the attention and you need some help to get there, come grab me, grab one of our leaders, grab somebody and say, I'm one of those guys. Hey, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the girl. Here, help me. Help me become. Help me become a leader in my generation. Help me serve in my generation. Help me have my now when so I can look back on it and go, now when I did this so I can do that. We want to be that church. That's the church we want to be in our generation. Will it be said of us, you know, now when Seacoast Vineyard had done this? Now when Matt did this? Now when Brian? Now when Vera? Now when Seacoast Vineyard? Now when? Into our purpose. This is our time, not 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, not even 10 years from now. The generation is now. Right now. And you know what? I think God's got a lot more for each of us individually and a lot more for us as a church. Thank you, church, so much 
for taking the journey and being a part of the journey. And let's just see where this takes us. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord. There will be a day like David where he comes to rest, Lord. But now we are here and you have given us life for these moments. And so let us be faithful in the moment, in the generation, God. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. You can learn more about us and access a video archive of our messages by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel led to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or download the PushPay app on your smartphone and search for Seacoast Vineyard Church.